The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are... Function Junction. Behavior Matters. So how's it going today, Sissy? It is going pretty good. How's it going for you? I am just fabulous. Could not be better. Uh, I understand you have a good story for us today. I have a really interesting story um, that is about a young man. I'll call him Gary. He was in a school district, and this has been a long time ago, and I went to see him, and he was hurting himself. He was digging his nails into his cheek and to his head and hurting himself in lots of ways. And they had done a whole lot of things to try to help him. They um, had put mitts on his hands. Mm-hmm, like a sensory extinction kind of? Yeah, just to, even just to protect him from being able to scratch himself. They put a hat on his head mm-hmm. to protect his head. Um, they had done a, a whole bunch of things to try to help him. And they definitely had come to the conclusion that it was escape-driven, that he wanted to get out of work. Oh, goodness. So, you know, we tested that theory out just a little bit to make sure. And then we decided that we needed to teach him how to ask for a break. Sure, absolutely. It's okay to not want to do your work, right? Yes, it's absolutely okay to not want to do your work. (laughs) I I mean, I don't want to do housework. I don't want to do a lot of things. (laughs) And I do take breaks. I do take breaks. And I don't injure myself in order to get away from work. Right. And so we wanted him to learn that. Um, And so we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give him a card that says break, and he's going to be able to hand the teacher the card to say break, and and then we'll back off. There you go. And so we kind of did it the way PECS does, Picture Exchange Communication System does when you're teaching a child to use PECS. We had the communicative partner, which was the teacher, saying, you know, let's go to work, and a helper and a sister behind him who would see that he was going to hurt himself and she would help him pick up the break card and hand it to me at that time. I was playing the role of the teacher. Right. And so um, within very short order, he figured out that handing me the card would mean I would stop asking him to work. Cool. And that was pretty cool. You know, it's always interesting to watch the look on a kid's face when they realize, oh. Really? (laughs) <laughs> this is all I have to do is hand her the card. Right. So then uh, the other piece, though, was we wanted him to work. You know, we wanted sure. him to have some work. So he liked cookies, and we had a box of cookies. And I, you know, would say, uh, hold out the cookie, and he would say cookie. Like, right. want cookie. And so I would say, great, work. And then he would begin to act like he was going to hurt himself. They would prompt him to ask for a break. And then he would, um, I would, you know, remove the demand, but he didn't get the cookie. Sure. So we shaped the behavior into um, being able to work to get a cookie, but break anytime that he wanted to. 
And, you know, this was a young man who had scars on the side of his mm-hmm. face and on the top of his head because mm-hmm. he would dig his nails in until they it bled. And, you know, there's just a whole lot of things that are bad about that. Absolutely. And, you know, so much about that makes me think about, you know, working with teachers and other staff um, on writing behavior intervention plans. And, you know, a lot of the districts that I work in, it's, it uh, the... The templates, if you will, request, you know, for us to identify the problem behavior, which is the self-injurious behavior and the skin, you know, the nails in the head, nails in the skin, but also the desired behavior and the replacement behavior. And people have a hard time because you just mentioned it. The desired behavior is for him to work, but the replacement behavior that goes back to the functional equivalence of the problem behavior is to ask for a break. Yes. And a lot of times I'll say, you know, to the teacher, what do you want him to do? Well, I want him to work. And so they put that in as the replacement behavior. And it's like, ugh. And even in some of my districts, I don't think, I think the district you used to work with too, we used to do those competing pathways where we had, you know, the problem behavior, the desired behavior, and the replacement to make people think. Like, these are two separate things. Yes, we all want him to work. Yes. But that does not address the functional equivalence of the escape-driven behavior. So um, I love what you did to teach him that. And um, was she taking data or anything like that? They did have quite a bit of data. Um, And they talked a little bit about how severe was the injury for him because, you know, what, you know, they were trying to stop him from hurting himself. Then they were trying to reduce the amount of injury that happened to him. So they would kind of rate the behavior mm-hmm. of whether or not it left a mark or if it broke the skin, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But I was thinking about, I do think one of the things you just said is pretty critical in that if you say, you know, the replacement behavior is the thing that gets what they want. Absolutely. Now, what we want is something else. Exactly. <laughs> That's what teaching is. Exactly. Teaching exactly. is getting to what we want, which is work. You know, it's just like to say that a child who is not paying attention, the replacement behavior is not paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Or the kid who won't dress out for PE, the replacement is dress out for PE. And I've actually seen these, you know. I know our friend Gail Sheremy and I were looking at a BIP and we were laughing because it was like problem behavior off task, replacement behavior on task. No, no. Replacement behavior is why is he off task? Exactly. Is it for attention? Is it escape? Is it whatever? You know, and and, and I just, I don't know why. I just feel like for a lot of teachers who aren't, you know, super, super well-versed in behavior, that's a tough concept to really think about and grasp. Um... The other thing you were talking about with regard to the data collection, I love taking intensity data like that. You know, it left a mark, it left blood, or what have you. Because a lot of times, the frequency doesn't decrease, but the intensity does. Yes. And that's progress, you know. And so just to mark how many times he did it, you might not see progress in terms of how many times, but you might see progress on how intense it was or with what amount of force. Did he injure himself? yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and I, you know, within the first hour, he was doing a little bit of work and getting a cookie. Um, You know, we also said, now I'm going to leave for a little bit and come back. Mm -hmm. Remember, 
the important piece is that that break card works every time. Absolutely. In the beginning, that break card works every time because you, it is so important for him to stop hurting himself. So important for him to learn there's a better way to ask for a break than hurting yourself. There's a better way to ask for <clears throat> if a kid is not attending because they want the attention of their peers there's a much better way to get the attention of your peers you know whatever the whatever the thing is that you want to change you need to uh, reinforce it quickly make it work the new way yeah and i think there's a lot of pieces to that that can be confusing to you know a person who wasn't super well versed in aba for example you know, I can see the cookie is a reinforcer, and so if he asks for a break, sometimes they would give him a cookie. <laughs> oh, that would, no. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, you have to be clear that the card gets the work to go away. The cookie is a reward for getting the work done. The work done. And the other piece is that you and I hear all the time is, but if I do that, he'll be breaking all day. And the answer to that is, he already is. Well, A, he already is, and B, my preference would be breaking all day to right. leaving scars on his body because he doesn't want to work. I mean, if he if he digs his nail into his cheek and starts bleeding, everything stops. Everything stops. We put gloves on. Mm-hmm. We go to the nurse for a cleanup and yes. bandage and blah, 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 blah. And we and, call mom and let her know, and then we get, yeah. And so it's about breaking all day appropriately. And then, like you said, you know, gradually shaping it out to where, like you said, within an hour he was doing some level of work. Um, But that's our job, you know, as teachers and as behavior analysts, we have to teach the kids what to do instead. And they're not going to do it just because we want them to, right? Right. We've got to teach. And how do we teach? We use prompts. We use reinforcers. We use shaping. We use task analyzing. You know, all of those things. All of those things. Yes, and if you are a parent or a teacher who, you know, this has not been your kind of thing, uh, Susan mentioned the competing pathways. Google that up because Mm -hmm. it is a great way to think about it. You know what you want. You want him to work. But you know what's happening right now is that he is engaging in, in injuring himself in order to get out of work. So in the meantime, sure. we're going to teach him to ask for a break while we figure out what we're going to do to make that work work. Right. And also, if any of our listeners are struggling with finding competing pathways or finding things on the Internet, don't hesitate to drop us a line on our social media. We will definitely get back to you. Um, you can leave us a message on Facebook and Twitter LinkedIn and Instagram. But anyway, moving on with the story. Yeah, so um, we definitely want to share ideas with you any way we can and and to help kids. I mean, obviously, we can't do a drive-by diagnosis (laughs) or a drive-by intervention, but if you already know what the function of the behavior is, we might give you some ideas on things that would be a replacement behavior that would get to that function. So Yeah, I know... This summer and fall, I was doing a lot of parent training, and, you know, I take things for granted when I'm looking for things. I just type in, you know, image for the American flag or whatever, and um, I was meeting with parents individually, and I was telling them, like, it's so easy. You just go in to click for it, and they're like, but you know what to look for. Even my niece, I was telling her about um, YouTube videos for decreasing hitting behavior, and 
um, you know, for me, it took me two minutes to find that, but for her, it may have taken 15 minutes just because you don't know what you're looking for and you don't know how long and you don't know the content and all of that. And so I think sometimes yeah. we say, oh, Google competing pathways, you know, and sometimes that sounds super easy because it's what we do and how we live and what we do as we live. But, you know, some parents and other educators might not have easy access to that. So just know that we're here to help in any way that we can. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, so, you know, like I said, he very, in very short order, had the idea. The behavior was significantly reduced within that first day. Um, and, the, you know, it's a matter of, at that point, making sure that everyone in his environment knows the process. All yeah. the paraeducators, any other teacher that comes in the room, Absolutely. if a substitute comes. Absolutely. Um, and, and also sharing with the family. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So... Huge, huge piece is making sure we have a consistency across settings. And, you know, if the kiddo happens to be in a private therapy or a private ABA or OT or speech, you know, making sure that we have that level of consistency across adults as well. So I love that story. Hey, Susan, do you have a question? I do. In today's episode, you, Sissy, talked about a young man who engaged in self-injurious behaviors. SIBs or self-injurious behaviors are considered a class of behaviors that are often highly repetitive and rhythmic that result in physical harm to the individual displaying the behavior. In the population of kids and adults on the spectrum, SIBs are considered non-suicidal self-injurious behaviors due to no apparent intent or willful self-harm. SIBs are highly prevalent in people with autism. Common forms of SIB include, but are not limited to, head hitting, head banging, hand biting. In the most severe cases, SIB can result in retinal detachment, blindness, broken bones, bleeding, or even death. SIB is displayed by 10 to 15% of individuals with autism and intellectual disabilities. So here's the question. And I have had a kid who detached his retina from putting his head through sheetrock. Um, yeah. Just as a side note. But anyway, so the question is, individuals may engage in SIB, self-injurious behavior, for a variety of reasons. Which of the following are possible reasons for people to engage in SIB? A, it's biologically based and might result in a chemical release in the brain, thus be reinforced. B, it results in favorable outcomes, such as attention or termination of a task. C, it results in termination of pain, such as a headache or toothache. D, all of the above. E, none of the above. All righty. So definitely think that when I look at, at B or think about B, it could result in favorable outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Such as attention or termination of tasks. That's basically what was happening in my story. Yeah, exactly. Um, a young man had learned that engaging in that behavior would make people back off right. uh, and leave him alone. And, and certainly when uh, many children would hurt themselves, most people are going to go to them and say, oh, baby, are you okay? Right. You know, and, and give them attention. That's very natural and normal sure. to do. Sure. So I would say B is, is for sure. Um, now, it could, yes, it could be biologically based and result in chemical release in the brain. You know, so see, I think that that's the most challenging um, um, result or that's the most challenging function is because it's really hard to compete with that endorphin release in the brain, right? It really is. And so you've got a kid who's biting themselves or pinching themselves or pulling their hair out or whatever it is, 
and they're getting a positive chemical release in the brain, it's like, you know, how do you even treat that? I mean, it's, it's one of those behaviors that you basically kind of have to just think about, consider, think about sensory extinction where you're um, changing the outcome of the behavior, right? So like for a kid who might bite themselves in the hands, we might have them put on gloves. It's not probably going to decrease the number of self bites, but it'll decrease the outcome such that there's not that, you know, chemical release, but it's a, those are really hard behaviors to compete with. Yeah. And then you would be looking at some other physical activity that might give them some of that endorphin release. Some, some runners get endorphin release. And so you might, you know, just get them involved in some heavy duty physical activity that might give them some of that probably as a replacement. Yeah. That's, Um, yeah. Then the idea that it could result in the termination of pain, such as headache or toothache. Sure. Um, I know, you know, I've seen kids pushing on their head that to the point that it looks like self-injurious behavior because of a headache or a toothache. Uh, So sure. You, it could be that. That's called pain attenuation as one of the possible functions of behavior. And, you know, again, that's a hard one to compete with. And you really, you know, as a behavior analyst or a teacher or, or a parent have to rule out any medical issues going on before we can try to even intervene behaviorally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rule out those medical uh, issues. Absolutely. Um, so it could be, so obviously it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. And that makes it challenging because when you know the function of a behavior that's easily identifiable, it's very easy to to start working on it. But when it could be coming from within their brain, when it could be that they're getting attention or getting out of work, or it could be that they are in pain somewhere else and trying to fix that, you, you have to do some investigation. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's kind of like those kid behaviors that have multiple functions. You know, the kid screams because it sounds fun. It's, it's, it's sincerely pleasing. He screams when he's hungry. He screams when he doesn't want to work. He screams when he wants attention. He screams, you know, and then you've got to design all these different interventions to address all of the functions. And I think, you know, we talk about function junction behavior matters and how behavior is complicated, but it's also simple. I think that's a good example of where it gets really complicated. And as a a person, you know, working with kids on the spectrum, you've really got to be on your game because you've got to know, was that scream because he's hungry? Was that scream because he liked the sound? Was that scream because he was avoiding work? Was that, you know, because you've got to have all of these different replacement behaviors um, to address each function. And that that gets complicated, I think, for a lot of us. But, and certainly self-injurious behavior is worth the investigation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's even, even if you think they're not harming themselves that much, you know, oh, well, he'll be okay. No, no, let's figure it out. What is he getting from this? And, and what, how can I give him that without him having to do that? I was thinking about um, our friend Tisha had worked with a young man who would slap his hand real hard and you know, she, she thought he probably was getting some kind of sensory piece out of that, maybe some endorphin release, whatever. She got one of those uh, mats, like AstroTurf kind of mat with really rough, and she taught him to rub his hand on the mat. It wasn't, you know, his hand, his hand, he would hit his hand so hard that it would swell. 
but you could get the same kind of thing from rubbing it without creating the swelling. Um, so yeah. sometimes it is, you know, a matter of what, what would get them that without the injury. And if he's sitting in a classroom, rubbing his hand on a piece of AstroTurf, that's not right. going to create the kind of attention that whacking his hand on the table will and you know, the other sure. students may be seeing him as a scary kid. You know, we don't want that. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've got over the years, I can't tell you how many kids I've worked with that really needed to go to the dentist. And that's why they were pounding on their face or pulling at their teeth or chewing on their gums. Or, you know, we had a little girl in, during summer school. Oh, my gosh. During the extended school services this year. And she was, had her hand on her, the side of her mouth the entire time for like two weeks and it never came off her mouth. She could do everything with one hand. And finally, one day a paraprofessional, she had opened her mouth and she had eaten, you know, those little decorations that go on Crocs that people put on those shoes, their little like pins. She had stuck one in her tooth. Oh no. Yeah. And I think that she may have been doing that to relieve some kind of pain. And so when the paraprofessional or the nurse, I guess it was, took it out, her behaviors increased um, to a lot more self-injurious behavior. So I think that was her way of giving herself pressure. And, you know, no one noticed it. It was like a little ladybug or yeah. something that was in her tooth. Mm poor little thing but yeah so yeah I mean we've got to rule out those medical issues first before we can design any kind of behavioral intervention but anyway thanks for sharing your story Sissy that was a great story and uh, we hope you all enjoyed it and um, as always you are welcome to like share or comment on any social media platform or rate and comment on or rate and review on your podcast app thanks so much everybody have a good weekend We appreciate you guys. See you next Friday. Bye.